RDI Insights. Mike Dempsey in conversation with Royal Designers. Hello and welcome to the RDI Insights podcast series, where I will be interviewing major figures in the design industry who have been made RSA Royal Designers for Industry, the highest accolade for a designer in the UK. The award was introduced in 1936 to highlight and honour the work of industrial designers for their sustained creative excellence and benefit to society. Creating cinema is one of the truly collaborative pursuits, embracing writing, directing, acting, cinematography, production design, editing, graphic design, animation, music composition, and much, much more. And of course, not forgetting the important contribution that costume design brings to the mix in establishing a reality for the characters. And my guest today, Sandy Powell, has risen to the top of the tree in costume design winning three Oscars to grace her mantelpiece and a trunkful of other awards. She has clocked up 43 films over 29 years. And her latest, at the time of this recording, is Todd Haynes' Carol, a film that typifies Sandy Powell's mastery with period costume and her passion for colour. Sandy dropped out of art school in 1986 before finishing her degree and wrote to Derek Jarman asking if he would see her. He not only did, but found a place for her on his film Caravaggio, for which she designed the costumes and received critical acclaim. And over the ensuing 29 years, the praise for her work has kept coming. I spoke to her in a short break from How to Talk to Girls at Parties, her latest film project being shot in London. Let's start with Carol. It's just been released and it's your, I think, your second collaboration with director Todd Haynes. And I think your third connection with uh, Kate Blanchett. And she's a, an extraordinary looking actress, I think. And I'm wondering just how important uh, the physicality of an actor is for you. Um, it's completely crucial. I mean, I, I think I can't actually design a costume for a character until I know who the actor is. So it's it's sort of different from the world of theatre or opera. I mean, I've done two operas in my life and I find that really weird that you have to get the designs in two years before you even know who's singing or who, who are playing the parts or whatever. I think that's really weird because you're just designing for an idea of a character. Then it has to fit the person who's doing it. And, and maybe theatre is a little bit different because you've got that distance and all the rest of it. But in film, you absolutely have to know who's going to be playing the part because, and quite often you don't know when you very first read the script. I mean, on, on the case of Carol, Kate Blanchett was attached from the very beginning, so I always knew it was going to be her. But there are other characters that you design for that you, you read the script and you have your own idea of what that character might be. Or, and also, quite often, the, the writer has written a description of what they think it is. And then I try not to put too much notice on that. I try not to think about it too much until I know who it is because then you can meet the actor and it'll be a completely different body shape, size, colouring from the person you had in your head. So it really is important. And even if you get two actors with exactly the same height and have the same measurements, they're completely different when they're in front of you because it's, it's what comes out, it's what emanates from them as well at the same time. It's really it's quite incredible how much you gain just from sitting in the same room as somebody and, and it just starts, ideas start sort of permeating. I would think your relationship with the actor is is quite an intimate one and, and also a very trusting 
Very. That and the, and the makeup, the makeup departments get, get a lot, get probably a lot more. When we were actually shooting, the makeup department really, because they spend a good hour at least with them in the mornings. Whereas once we're filming, I've done my bit. My, my time is in the, in the, in the pre-production period. I, n- I noted that Todd Haynes opted to shoot Carol on film and, and 16mm at that. And it gave, um, I think, a more faithful feel uh, for the period. Were you surprised to see the dancing grain on screen once more? Not really, because I knew we were shooting on 60mm and I was brought up shooting. Yeah. On, I mean, I started with Derek Jarman, yeah. who, you know, yeah, some of that was eight, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and all the first films for the first, you know, at least 10 years... I mean, all through the 80s and early 90s, we shot on film and I understood what how things turn out. I understood yeah. how things looked on film, especially colour. So in these years since, using digital, it's actually harder. I find it harder because I have a, a better understanding of film than yeah. I do of digital. And digital, any, anything can change. It could be anything. And it ends up being somebody else's idea of what colour is. I mean, the colours can change considerably and that, that'll be down to the director of photography to decide whether it's a bluey well, green or a greeny exactly. blue or a royal blue or a, yes. you know, and I've had many a, many a fight with a director of photography over what they think the colour should be. And I kind of think, well, what, what's the point of me doing any colour? Why don't we just do it all grey and you can put the colours on? Or why can't I come into the editing afterwards and say, uh, so we can adjust all the colours? The, the visual setting of Carol is, is in the late 50s in New York, and it echoed the work of a number of photographers, in, in particular the late uh, Saul Litter. Uh, I believe you're all given extensive visual reference by uh, Todd Haynes. Completely. Yeah. I mean, I, I looked at the um, at Todd's lookbook just the other day, actually, because I was filing away some stuff, my drawings, and I found the book that he actually gave to all the creatives. And it's just, you know, it's Saul Light photographs, there's, there's Vivian Mayer photographs, there's Ruth Orkin photographs. There's Edward Hopper paintings. Yeah. There's advertising. Yeah. And just as a book, just going through it, and it's like looking at the film. And that is exactly how the yeah. film came out. So, of course, it's incredibly useful having a director who yeah. can communicate visually as, as precisely as Todd. You know, not all directors can. I mean, yeah. different directors have different skills. I mean, some directors are just interested in the actors. Seeing the film actually shot on film once again, did, did it make you more aware of just how far we've gone with uh, digital high definition uh, and all that forensic detail. I can't bear the way that everything is, is so sharp. And, yeah. and, and nowadays you can see things on film that you can't see with your eyes. You know what I mean? You can't see naturally that someone's paws that close up. Let's um, flash back to the young Sandy Powell. Uh-huh. Where were you born? I was born in London and I've always lived in London and my family, both sides of my family come from London as far back as we know. Might have started out way back in Ireland, but I mean, I, th- I mean, we're all Londoners, which is quite rare. Do you have brothers or sisters? I have a sister, a younger sister. Was there creativity in the family? She's a journalist. She's a writer. What about your parents? Uh, my dad worked in casinos. In fact, he, he, he managed the um, Charlie Chester Casino where Francis Bacon's lover, lost. George, well, he, where he lost lots of money and yeah. where, where he met George Dyer. Yeah. My dad saw a lot of uh, CD Soho nightlife, but also there were a lot of um, actors around and theatres around. So I think he was very familiar with all of that Soho underbelly, which was quite interesting. And my mum was a secretary when she worked and when, when she wasn't being a mum, but she was the person that taught me to sew. She is creative, but never really fulfilled that, never really experienced. I mean, yeah. she, she would never think that she could draw. I haven't seen her draw whether, whether she can or she probably could. 
but she's definitely artistically minded and creative and, and pushed both myself and my sister. From a very early age, from as young as I can remember, she made our clothes. And I was interested in that. So I was, I was really, I really enjoyed going to the shops to choose the fabric and actually flicking through the pattern books and, yeah. and choosing the patterns. And I used to be, I used to be furious at we used to have to wear the same thing in the same colour because that was easier. But I do remember very early on the process of choosing the fabric, cutting the pattern, sewing it. So then I wanted to learn how to do it myself. So she taught me how to use a machine fairly. She taught me how to sew by hand and I yeah. used to make my doll's clothes. And then I learned how to use a machine and follow a pattern quite young. Were you academic at school? Yeah, I did all my A-levels and everything. And at one point I thought I was going to be a doctor. But, I mean, because I, yeah, I mean, I kind of was interested in science as well. So I did science as well as arts. And then realised I actually preferred doing art and didn't want to do science. When did costume design first present itself? Well, I don't think I knew that costume design as a job existed until probably in my teens. The turning point was, um, I must have been 16, going to see Lindsay Kemp at the Roundhouse. And the only reason I knew who Lindsay Kemp was because he was associated, his name was associated with David Bowie. Yeah. And I was a huge David Bowie fan. On the strength of that, I went to see these shows at the Roundhouse that Lindsay Kemp was choreographing and in and was just completely and utterly mesmerised of the whole world, the whole look, the whole visual experience. And I kind of thought, this I want to be part of this world. I think it was uh, Visconti's Death in Venice that had a big impact on you. And, and of course, the costumes were designed by the, uh, the great Italian designer Piero Tosi. I mean, Piero Tosi is the costume designer's costume designer. Yes. You know what I mean? Every, every, I mean, you talk to any costume designer about their top inspirational costume designers and Piero Tosi would be at the top of the list. I'm interested to know how you work with actors. I would have thought um, many can be very particular about costumes and, and I'm sure also um, they can be difficult at times. They're all different. There are many, many that are like that. There are many, there, there are actors where, you know, I've gone, where we've had weeks and weeks of fittings with, a, with a, the length of a cuff being shortened, lengthened, shortened, lengthened. I mean, tight, some actors get involved in minute details and you kind of, you go with it. You, you let them do that and, until it gets ridiculous, until it's sort of like, well, we've done that five times now. There are different actors. There are actors who are theatre actors and there are actors who are stars who haven't set foot inside a theatre. There are, the, you know, there are, you know, the American actors who have not done anything other than be stars in films, and they're different from actors who have got some theatre background. There's quite, quite, quite a noticeable difference. Of course, it's easier... I mean, if you're doing a period film, it's easier working with an actor who's had some experience of period clothing, and usually all the theatre actors have. But that's not to say that some of the Hollywood actors I've worked with are completely interesting, clever people to work with. I mean, I think I've been very lucky and not had to deal with many difficult personalities mm. I mean they're all insecure everybody's insecure mm. and part of my job is to make them feel comfortable as soon as possible like first meeting you have to get them to like you and trust mm. you and, and, and actually work them out you've got to then work them out very quick what their insecurities are and how to how to deal with them and, and each person is different you have to figure out how to deal what's the best way of dealing with this person of getting them to wear what you think they should wear going back to your art school days at uh, Central uh, you didn't actually complete your degree. I dropped out at the end of my second year. I didn't mean to drop it. I, I took a year off. I decided to take a year off because I hadn't, I'd been pretty bad in my second year. I didn't do much work. Oh, I kind of lost my way a little. I did my foundation courses at Martin's and didn't do a great deal there, but had fun. Met interesting people, some of whom I'm still friends with. Then did theatre design at Central, which, you know, I enjoy. I, you know, I, it was the right course to take I enjoyed doing it and I that that was at the point where I realized that it was theater design and not fashion designer that I wanted to go into and I think I kind of lost my way somewhere whereby I kind of I, I 
I don't know, I found... What did I find? I found it wasn't practical enough. I found we were sort of... A lot of it was like messing around in, in a model box without any real understanding of what how to design inside a model box. And I kept looking at people getting obsessed by making one to 25 models of a you know goblet. And then you look at it, think, well, what, what, what's the thing as a whole? Or, or tutors saying, no, that's not how you do it. And then... And then trying to please the tutor and I thought what am I trying to please the tutor for and I did I actually was told by somebody at the end of my first year in a report that I should seriously reconsider my choice of career from doing theatre design yes I was doing sets and costumes at at college you know we did both and I enjoyed that I enjoyed the costume side of it and I enjoyed the set design set bit of it but I used to skip technical drawing I wasn't that interested in technical drawing Mm. what so what actually happened during the summer holidays at the end of the second year I met Lindsay Kemp, who I'd seen when I was 16. Well, I, went, I attended some dance classes that he was taking at the right. Pineapple Dance Centre and asked if I could show him my work, you know, my college work, basically, which I did. And he took me under his wing and we just became friends that summer and hung out. I did all his classes and then he lived in Barcelona and he, I went to visit him in Barcelona and then he said, oh, come and work for me. And I kind of believed him. I said, OK. So I called college and said, I'm going to have a year off. I'll take a sabbatical before finishing my getting my degree, which I'm sure I wouldn't have got anyway if I'd stayed. And then I never went back because I worked. And at some point you, you, you wrote to Derek Jarman. Yeah, I mean, I worked for Lindsay and he actually kept his word. And then later that year, I, I, my first job with Lindsay was in Milan at the, at the studio at La Scala, designing a show called Nijinsky about the dancer. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I contacted a, com- a theatre company who had come to our college and done a bit of bit of work with the students and I contacted them to see if they had any work available and I ended up going in as an assistant on a job and then by the end of, by the end of the first year out I was actually designing for a small fringe theatre company and I did two or three years of that success that combined with Lindsay Camp and then I wrote to Derek Jarman in about 1984 and then invited me to his house for tea and again, I was very lucky. He took me under his wing and said, OK, if you want to, if you're interested in film, a good way to start is um, start small. And this was at the beginning of, of pop videos. So he was a designer with Ken Russell, yeah. Yes. I mean, I was so lucky that both Lindsay Kemp and Derek Jarman, both whose work I admired, both I had just approached, just took me on. And she, I mean, Lindsay taught me so much. In, I mean, I learned more in my first three weeks out of college than I did in three years in college, of course, and just learned by mistakes, really. I mean, the, even the first film I did with Derek, I didn't know what I was doing, but we sort of stumbled yeah. through. And that was the, the film Caravaggio, a visually striking film for which, which you designed the costumes. Do you know what? We, I, I realise it was most people, the average age on Caravaggio was 25. So he really surrounded himself by young people, young, attractive people, probably attractive, talented people who he nurtured and taught. And he was a great teacher and incredibly generous. I mean, he gave a lot. He gave you a lot of inspiration, but then let you get on with it. And I thought that's what filmmaking was like. And it was. But but that in the day, I mean, we were making the costumes. We were actually we were filming in a warehouse in Canary Wharf before it was Canary Wharf. It was like a warehouse that wasn't soundproofed or anything completely dusty you know they were filming down one end of the warehouse and the other end that we were we were sort of still making costumes and I didn't even know that you had to have somebody on set looking after the actors when they were filming and it was about two weeks into the shoot that the continuity woman came into our workroom space and said do you think somebody could come and have a look at this hat I'm not sure it's on properly (laughs) had no idea but then it was like when the scenic artists had finished painting sets they came to help make costumes I mean Nigel Terry used to iron his own costume it was a real everybody muck in. So it was a bit like theatre in that. It was a bit like the kind of theatre I started out doing when you 
did the sets, you, yeah. you know, you built the sets, yeah. you made the costumes and everybody yeah. helped out. And then the actors helped make the costumes. I mean, that was the kind of theatre work I'd done. So Derek's filmmaking, it was a natural progression from that. And I thought that's what filmmaking was about. And then, of course, it, you know, it wasn't. It was just yeah. like Derek films were like that. Yeah. But And I, I think an early film for Tilda Swinton. Well, that was her first film. Caravaggio yeah. was everybody's first film. Yeah. Just slipping back to college again and your foundation here, you, you met another student, the choreographer... Lee Anderson, with whom you you clicked and formed an instant friendship. We actually met on the very first day at college at St Martin's. I think those those early creative meetings of mine can be a very powerful thing. That's a funny meeting. I tell you how that happened. It was it was the very first day, and all I mean, I could, there was sort of quite a big course, the foundation course. So all the students were all together on the first day, and they gave us a project to actually divide us into groups you know, to go with the various tutors. And I can't remember what it was. It was some kind of drawing project that had to do with us or our lives or whatever it was. So everyone had done some drawing. They were all put on the floor. Then, somehow or other, they were they were putting the pictures into groups. And I don't know quite based on what, but there was a group of 10 people here. You go off with this tutor here, 10 people here. Until... There was like a handful of us left, the, the people they couldn't put into a category. <laughs> they couldn't pigeonhole. And we've both found ourselves in that sort of the, the, um, the outcast group. <laughs> we went to the pub <laughs> and, and that was it. And we became friends. So she, for a while, after foundation, she did textiles. And she had been a dancer. She had studied dance as a child at school and had wanted to be a ballet dancer, but then changed shape and wasn't suitable ballet dancer material and gave that up. But then after a year of doing textiles at Middlesex, I think, she decided to go back to dance school and went to Laban. And then I designed the first thing she did at Laban when she was still a student. You've often worked with Lee Anderson, creating costumes for her dance company. Is, is that a very big contrast with the world of film? I mean, I would thought that budget-wise it must be. I read somewhere that you, you had $2 million for costumes on Martin Scorsese's Gangs of New York. No, uh, never believe that. I've never had $2 million. Lee Anderson has two dance companies. So it's the Chumleys that are all female and the Fanshawes that are all male. I mean, I must admit, in the heyday of Chumleys and Fanshawes, which sadly they don't get funded anymore, but in the heyday, the budgets weren't bad. I mean, they weren't, and it's nothing like a film budget, but you sort of managed to get everybody dressed. Lee was a great director to work with because she always provided, much like Todd and Derek, a scrapbook she we always started with. I mean, her ideas were sometimes really vague and I never really understood it. She was sort of saying, I've got this idea for a dance and I'd say, just show me pictures. And I just look through the scrapbook and let that sink in. Then I look at a bit of the choreography. Then I'll say, well, how about this would be a good idea for a costume? Then she might choreograph something around what they're wearing as opposed to I have to design, design something that works with this choreography. I've always loved doing that alongside film. I think you're, you're currently working together on how to talk to girls at parties. I got her involved in this one because it was, it was you know, it's set in 1977 punk, but there are these other alien creatures. There are like 36 young people, aliens, who all needed to sort of... Ha- I, I sort of spoke with the director at the very beginning and said, are you going to get a choreographer here? Because they need movement. It's not dance. They yeah. need to have a different sort of movement and, and learn how to do it. And even the punks need to be... Even kids now have to be taught how to dance like punks because... They have no idea. This is a bit of frivolity, really. Your star sign is Aries. Yes. I thought it might be interesting to list 
um, the attributes of Aries. Uh, oh, go on then. Here we go. They are independent by nature, enthusiastic, optimistic. Oh, yes, both of They find it easy to get what they want, but they have to work hard for it. They move up quickly in the ranks. They can be impatient and impulsive. They are generous. God, all this is right, so how weird. Attract friends easily. And if those friends are adventurous, the friendship will be special. Yeah, I am attracted to adventurous people. They tend to be leaders and have problems with authority figures and hate being told what to do. <laughs> oh my God, this is weird. Where have you got this all from? <laughs> This, is, this sounds like you've been talking to people who know me. Yeah. Problems with people. I mean, it's it's like this, the thing about leaving college. And I never know. I mean, I you know, it, I had problems being told what to do. And the, the tutor that suggested that maybe I shouldn't be doing it anymore or maybe I should pull my socks up and get out. And I never know whether she was being a real bitch and being horrible to me or whether she was being clever and knew that's what I needed. And I think maybe she knew that I just needed to be out there making my own mistakes rather than being told what to do. I think, including the current one, you've chalked up 44 films. You've been nominated 10 times by the American Academy and have won three of their prestigious Oscars and, of course, many other awards. Now, that's the upside. The the, the film business, by its very nature, is a nomadic existence and... That means you're away from home a lot. Is that difficult? Not really. I have just recently. Um, I, After Carol, I had 18 months off. Didn't work for 18 months, believe it or not. No one believes that. I had done three films back to back. I did The Wolf of Wall Street, which was in New York for eight months. Then I did Cinderella, which was in London, but shooting at Pinewood. So you might as well not be at home. I mean, you basically see your bed every night. That's yeah. it. You don't don't see friends or family. And then Carol, which was back in New York. I've, I prepped in New York and L.A. and it was in Cincinnati. So that was three films back to back, which I don't normally do. I normally There are normally breaks in between. So I'd done three. So it was a sort of good two and a half years of solid work and not really having a normal life. I am away from home a lot, but I actually quite enjoy that. I actually find it easier to work away from home than at home because you have absolutely no distractions. Do you think the film world distorts reality? No, no, no. I do think I'm grounded. I, I, I don't think, I don't let, that's why I still live in Brixton. You know, I still live in Brixton. I live close to my mum and my sister. And when I'm not working, I do see them. So I thought I'm going to have to take a chunk of time off and, and get back to my life a bit. So I, I took six months off from May through to about October, thinking in my head, OK, I'll be ready to start gently about October, November. And nothing happened, nothing came up. Around about spring, I got offered something that was really big and not the kind of thing I would normally do, but I really liked the director when I met him and it wasn't the sort of film that he normally does. And he said, they say, it's not the sort of film I normally do, but I think, you know, and I, I realised he was actually very visual and very interesting. I thought, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it for this director. He's going to be interesting. He'll make something different out of this big commercial. And I started it, but I didn't start. I mean, I just started by budgeting it, which is what you normally start at, and kind of looking at some reference. And I thought, and I couldn't get excited about it. And I was actually feeling a bit sick about it rather than getting excited I was nervous but not in a good way I thought I'm not going to do this and I pulled out of it let's talk a little about the necessary collaboration with other members of the crew now putting aside the director I would think that the production designer hair and makeup plus of course the cinematographer are the closest to you I think you mentioned earlier your disagreements on color how do you overcome conflicts with so many departments doing their own thing Yeah, it doesn't happen that often. I mean, in an ideal world, you do camera tests before you shoot. So if there are specific things, like for instance, the aviator was very specifically, we had to colour test because they were trying to do something different with the colour with all the early scenes. He was doing two colour photography. They wanted to emulate the kind of colour photography that 
when colour photography first started, where there was a missing colour. So what was it? Everything blues go green. The greens and the blues are all a bit odd. And it, the grass went blue and the peas were blue. And, you know, it's quite nice. Mm-hmm. But you had to... So it affected everything. And then then, they, then a bit later, they did another sort of thing. When it went to the three colour, it wasn't quite the way that we see it now. So we had to do lots of tests with different bits of fabric. And we didn't have much time. And the, and the tests were actually done quite close when we were filming. So sort of in a way, there wasn't much time to, to make great changes. And I chose some specific colours, especially... Uh, there are two dresses of Kate's, actually, that I had specific colours. One was a peachy colour and one was a yellow that was a very... And the colour I wanted it to be was an acidic mustard yellow. I don't know how to... And it was really... I really wanted that colour because it kind of clashed with the red hair and everything. And I found myself, after the film had finished, somehow I was in New York and I think, and I visited Thelma, the editor, who showed me some bits. Fortunately, and that's when I saw that the colour was completely wrong. The colour had gone like khaki, like vile khaki colour. And the peachy colour had gone beige and um, Thelma being the brilliant editor that she is said okay well give me some give me a colour sample of how you want this colour to look and then they they actually fixed the colour of the dresses in post and Bob Richardson the DP actually jokes that that one dress is probably the most expensive dress in cinema history on how much it cost them in post production to fix one colour without affecting the rest which that was a luxury that that got done but quite often now you can't do that and quite often you don't see what the final colour is going to be until the film is finished and actually a similar thing happened in um, Cinderella I was seeing rushes and I know they weren't graded but I was seeing things and the colour was coming out completely wrong and I, I'd spent I usually spend so much time getting the colour right you know really adjusting the colour so it's exactly the right tone or temperature I want it to be and there were some colours that absolutely weren't right in it one of them was the ball gown actually and then Harris the DP let me go at the very end it was almost finished film was always finished and, and to actually look at some scenes and they were adjusting it as we went along and I was allowed to go into the edit and, and have a look at that and which I'm really grateful for but it's kind of like you want to do it every time you yeah. want to make sure that every single bit is what was in your mind can you give me a, a, a short description of how you work on a project? I suppose the, the starting point must be the script. I suppose it's different because I've, there's been a, there's a few directors now that I've worked with more than once. Yeah. So a script will come from Mark Scorsese or a script will come from Todd Haynes. But how we start is, yeah, you read the script first, you go and talk to the director and talk to the director about the world that they envisage. And also you talk to them about the characters. Now, depending on the director, they, they, they might give you a vague notion that they rarely say, okay, I see this character dressed in like this, this, and this. Apart from on Gangs of New York, for instance, which was my first film with Marty, so it was quite terrifying. And, I mean, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. It did. It took about three weeks to read the script, first of all, because I didn't understand half of it because it was so dense. But it, when we talked about Daniel Day-Lewis's character, Bill the Book, he actually did say I think he should be a dandy and that was it you know he said I think he should be a peacock as dandy he's a gangster and when I met Daniel for the first time and I'd already met Marty he said well I think he should be really rough really grubby really grimy really messy really slow and I was like "Mm, actually that's not what Marty suggested so I'm kind of like Martin Scorsese who I'd only just met and then Daniel Day-Lewis who was probably one of the only actors I've ever been a bit nervous of meeting and I said well why don't we try both why don't don't we we try something I'll do a prototype and we'll see how it works and we with my cutter who was amazing at the time we cut a shape a silhouette for for Daniel that accentuated his tallness and his thinness and it was just the silhouette and then with the top hat that was a little bit taller than a top hat would have been and the first outfit we put on he put it on and then said oh you're right this is how it should go because 
So that that did actually come from Marty, the sort of dandified peacock. And it makes sense because gangsters, you think of all his other gangster films, and they're really flashily dressed. Mm. They show off. It's, it's sort of intimidating. Actually having somebody impeccably dressed is rather intimidating. On a period film, do, do you stick rigidly to um, historic detail? No, you don't have to be completely, utterly loyal to the period. But if you're doing something that's about real people in a real time, like Young Victoria, mm. kind of pretty much did the best I could to make it look real. Of course, you can't get the same fabrics and maybe the colours were pushed a little bit. But I mean, essentially, it was historically accurate. I mean, we're not making pieces to go into museums. No. So it, we're telling a story. So you do whatever is right for the character or the, or the story. Do, do you sketch your design? I draw. I do draw. I draw essentially at the beginning just to work things out for myself so if I if I've got like 10 different ideas for a character or 10 different ways a dress could go I'll just scribble it out so I'm for me I wouldn't show it to anybody else apart from the cutter I'd never show the director because they don't look like people people will look at a drawing and it won't really and, and the costume won't end up looking like the drawing it might be I might be able to see what I've got from the drawing that's it'll be the proportion so it's it's like a yeah it's like notes I do the drawings at the end when I know what the costume looks like I do an illustration because I think I can't understand how you can do how you can imagine every bit of a costume in your head and put it on paper including the colour and include because you don't know what the fabric is you don't know what the colour is going to be and it all changes in the fitting it actually gets designed in the fitting in 3D as opposed to on a bit of paper what do you like doing in between films watching films I do, I like seeing films. Do you know, I think I'm always doing something, I'm always making something or doing something or I, I hardly ever sit down. I mean, in my year and a half off, I did have times where I wasn't doing so much and I, I, I knew that towards the end of it, by the summer, I was getting pretty difficult to live with. Just before we end, I wonder if you have any pearls of wisdom to give to budding student costume designers um, that would like to follow in your footsteps. It's very difficult because I actually think it was easier when I was young than it is for people now. There was more to go. Because I started in the theatre and fringe theatre, well, that doesn't seem to exist anymore. I mean, there, there, there isn't the same funding in the arts as there was in the early 80s when there was an awful lot. So it seemed to be there's an awful... I mean, when I think about the people I was at college with on my, both my foundation and the degree course, I mean, everybody's doing well. Everybody went out and did what they wanted to do. Everyone had these big ambitions and most people are doing it, which was incredible. And I don't, I think, I don't know why, but I think it's a lot harder now. But I think what people now aren't prepared to do so much is work hard and work hard for a long time, probably without earning a great deal of money. Mm. Because there's so much now is based on winning a competition and being famous and all this reality TV stuff. People think that's how you do it. And that it's kind of your right to suddenly be famous without actually doing the hard slog to get there mm. a lot of it's luck you know I, I say to people well you know you have to I mean like I did I went up to Lindsay Kemp said I want to work with you went up to Derek Jarman said I want to work with you and I, I kind of say well that's what I did and you do have to keep trying that think you know go to the people whose work you admire and try it but you're not necessarily going to get taken on I was just incredibly lucky that both those times that I did they had time to give to me so every time I say that and I've been doing lots of talks recently I get I get loads of emails from students saying, can I come and be your assistant? And the fact is, I'm at the end of a job, so no, you can't. I'm not actually doing anything at the moment. And the people that do, and I've got two, I've got somebody working in my department on this job who is between courses. She took a year off a fashion course between her second and third year, I think, to do internship. And she just so happened to come when I thought, 
okay, yeah, I could use somebody right now. I really, you know, well, I'm not, this film I'm doing is really, really low budget and I can't really afford to pay for it. So, okay, I'll take you on. It's a trial run. She got thrown in at the deep end and actually proved herself to be full of common sense, which I think is probably the most important attribute you can have. You've got to have common sense and you've got to be prepared to start at the bottom. You've got to be prepared to make the coffee. But if you're making the coffee for somebody whose work you're, you're admiring, you're in the same room as them and you can see what they're doing, then you're going to learn. And you've got to be, and you've got to be one step ahead and you've got to somehow work out what needs doing without being told. Well, that's some very down-to-earth advice. I wish you well on the um, awards season. Sandy Powell, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.